The reading is Jonah chapter 3, verses 10 to 4, verse 11, and can be found on page 929 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back, and page numbers for these are on the screen. When God saw what they did, And how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that, so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I, not have, should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks very much indeed, Rosie. Um, keep those uh, Bibles open. We're going to look at this um, passage together. And um, as Tim was saying, we're starting a new series just for the next four um, weeks. Um, and it is, it is Steve's farewell series. Um, and he will be doing the next three. He's not with us today. Um, so I'm just doing this first one. And then Steve will do the next three. And what we're doing, um, we've called it Reach the City. And again, as Tim was saying, we've got um, four cities um, that, are, uh, that are kind of looked at in the Bible that we're going to look at. And the first of those is Nineveh, um, which we will look at together now. Um, and then we'll go on and look at Jerusalem and Philippi and Rome over the next few weeks. Um, but much of what I'm going to say now, I, I think, doesn't make a lot of sense unless you at least uh, remember some of the story and the context of Jonah uh, and where we're up to. It's a story that's probably fairly familiar, although many people might be here without necessarily having um, encountered the story of Jonah. Um, so by way of a recap, um, and just to help us, um, I give us this.
That is largely what you need to know by way of the story of Jonah and where we are up to. And it means that when we are land at this point in this chapter, we are talking about the prophet who went to reach the city and hated that it worked. He took his message uh, that he was given. He went, um, there was a response, um, and he's really bitter about it. And so we find him here as we do. So kind of pick up the story at uh, verse 10. So when God saw that they, the Ninevites, did what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. It seemed very wrong, and he became angry. You might notice that when God's anger ends, Jonah's anger starts. And he is furious. So you have him here, um, kind of uh, uh, making his way um, to the edge of the city. And the, the, the questions we're going to ask, the first of, the, of those questions is, why is Jonah so angry? Um, the, the reason he's got to be angry is partly knowing who um, uh, the, the city of Nineveh is the center of a, of a world superpower at the time. Um, and Jonah, coming from a small minority country, if you like, has good reason to fear who these people are. And what he sees God doing, and he sees God's mercy shown to a, a, a power, a, a nation, a, a violent one. And he says, oh, look, I've got a case. How on earth can you show mercy to these kinds of people? So this is him uh, Uh, There are people who, now in the earlier chapter, we kind of made reference to it there, that they had had made the first steps uh, in terms of responding to God. It's not as though they have converted wholesale. It's not as though they sort of said, yes, we will sign up to an understanding of the triune God, not that they would have necessarily. But you see, they've just made the first steps. They've, They've said they're sorry. They've begun to respond and turn from some of their ways. And he's saying, how dare you? Respond to them in mercy. That's all they've done. Why is Jonah so angry? That's the first of our two questions that we'll ask. We'll ask also, what does Jonah need to know? But this is the first question. And it's kind of, if we look through those first um, four verses in particular, the reason is because his place um, is threatened. Um, read, look with me, would you? Um, so, but Jonah said this seemed very wrong. He became angry. He prayed to the Lord. This is what he said. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. Can you see all these eyes? This is what I said. When I was still back there, this is what I tried. I actually tried to stop this from happening. I would try to forestall this by going and fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to live to die than to live. And the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? See, what is the threat? Why is Jonah so angry? And and God is asking this kind of gracious question of him. Why are you so angry? His place is threatened. I tried to stop this from happening, and you've done it anyway. Those words are very famous words um, from the Old Testament that get repeated at different times. Uh, God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And there are two ways of reading it, if you like. Those words, I, I knew you were gracious. There's two ways you can read it. You can read it in wonder and joy. I knew, gosh, I knew you were like this, Lord. 
And you're full of grace and compassion and mercy and wow. Or you can say, I knew you were a gracious and compassionate God. I knew you were like this. I knew if I left it to you, this is exactly what you would do. I knew I couldn't trust you to handle this. You see, he wants the place of God. He wants the place of God to decide who is in and who is out, to say that it's, uh, uh, it's, it's us and it's we who are okay and it's they who are not. And he wants to be in that place where he can make that call. And when God's grace and compassion, when he meets with it, he says, I knew you'd do this. And you wouldn't do it in the way that I wanted. So I'm furious. And in practice, we might even say that it's more, it's worse than that. But being uh, in, being us, being those uh, in the right group, and knowing that he's not those in the wrong group, has come to define him. He can't allow anyone else to be shown that grace and compassion. You know, it's, it's one of the most powerful forces that are in our society at the moment, who we are and who they are. You see it in all layers of society at the moment. You see it in our culture, in our politics, and in our public discourse. We are this, and I'm glad I'm not like them. And Jonah is, is trying to occupy that space of God that gets to define that, and he's furious that God would treat the Ninevites in this way. God says to him, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah, what is your anger telling you? What are you threatened by? It's a very interesting question. If you, are, if you find yourself angry, what, am I, what is being threatened that I'm angry about? There are um, lots of links that are made between Jonah's position here at the end of this story and that of the elder brother in the story of the prodigal son. Jonah is on the edge of the city looking on. God is appealing to him and he won't respond. The elder brother, who do you remember at the end of the feast, is on the outside and God is, the father is appealing to him and saying, will you come in? And he won't. And there are links there, and it's as though Jonah, too, like the elder brother, he cannot, he wants God's place, and somehow, what is he feeling threatened? That God, he can't trust God's love for him, because God also shows his love for them. You can see his insecurity, what is being threatened uh, in Jonah. Why is Jonah angry? He is in this place. He's got himself into this difficult position. What, what does Jonah need to know then? Um, the story goes on, and we get this um, kind of final episode in the story of Jonah, which is about um, the plant. It is, I should tell you, this is the end game um, of the Jonah story, this last episode. I have seen it. It is awesome. I won't spoil it for you. Um, but this is the end game, and it comes around this situation with the plants. Uh, and uh, with God and Jonah, a, a, a sort of a moment where he, he speaks to and teaches Jonah. Um, what does Jonah need to know? He needs to know the extent of God's love. He needs to know the extent of God's love. So um, let's have a look at it together. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he had made himself a shelter. 
So Jonah, uh, presumably, uh, as we see, um, sat in its shade, waited to see what would happen to the city. He's kind of slunk off. Perhaps, you know, he's kind of still there thinking, well, I don't know quite how it'll play out. Maybe God is still going to send destruction on them. So I'll just sit here with my popcorn and we'll kind of see. But there he is. He makes himself a shelter, props himself up. And the Lord, uh, God, provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to shade, give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. There we go. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. Uh, and because God knows what he's doing, then when the sun rose, he provided a scorching east wind as the clincher. Uh, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head, and he grew faint. And he wanted to die, and he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Now, those words are an echo of verse 3. So he's back in the same position again, but God is using this little episode of the plant. And we kind of see, okay, you're back here again, Jonah. You're angry enough to die. What, are you, what has gone wrong now? And God says to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he says, it is. I am so angry, I wish I were dead. I'm jolly angry about this he would say, if he were me. Um, And the Lord says, you have been concerned about this plant. The word concerned, you have been, you have shown concern, you have shown pity, you have shown love for, almost a kind of a sadness for, a broken heart for this plant. And you didn't tend it, and you didn't make it grow, and it sprang up overnight, and it died. And shouldn't I have concern? Shouldn't I have that pity, that heartbroken love for the city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals? Your interest, Jonah, what is your interest in this plant? It's the difference between the visitor uh, to a, a, a pleasant garden who enjoys the flowers, who enjoys the plants, and the gardener and the, uh, the creator of that wonderful garden. He says, look, yours is, your, Jonah, yours is an interest. It was, look, it served you. You liked it because it was doing something for you. It was utility and it was helpful, but you didn't make it. You didn't pour your heart into it. You didn't nurture it. You weren't there when it was raining. And it's the difference between those. And hence, I think that's what he's trying to get this across that the extent of my love, says God, for these people, the whole, the whole of this place is something you can't seem to understand at this point. It's why he has that strange phrase, and also many animals. Why, who ends a book with the phrase, and also many animals? What is he trying to get across? The entirety of that place, of the people who are there, of the living creatures who are there. That is the view that God has of it. Um, uh, Chris Pratt, who is a film star um, uh, and, uh, and, and so on, um, is, surprises me from time to time. He enjoys posting on social media and things, as far as I can tell. He posts quite a lot about his farm. Um, he has a farm. And you kind of expect, it kind of catches me every now and again because you expect him to be posting about sort of, you know, film starry things. And then he'll post a picture of, I don't know, whatever it is, the sheep that have been born or a cow that uh, um, perhaps is getting old and is dying. And he, he writes then, alongside, he writes about them with great affection. 
and you don't expect it, but you, what com- comes across is here is somebody who, who has a farm, and he cares for the creatures, the animals that he brings up, genuinely. And you kind of think, gosh, I, I wouldn't have thought of it. But that is, that is who he is. That is what he does. And here is God saying, look, Jonah, do you see the extent of my love for this place and this people? Yours was a shallow and a self-interested approach to them, and mine is a deep affection. And shouldn't I have that? Why is Jonah angry? His place is threatened. He wants this kind of role of God. What does he need to know? He actually needs to know God is the one he can trust and loves uh, this uh, world that he has made. So what does he want us to know? What does he want us to know? This, uh, to reach the city... I have a, a kind of eye on the fact that this is where we're going for this series. To reach the city, God has to reach you. And he has to reach me. Stand back from the book of Jonah for a moment. and Just think about it for a second. A, a story that is about reaching Nineveh is almost entirely about reaching Jonah. If God is going to reach outsiders in this place, the person that he has to spend his time trying to reach and convince is the insider. It's a funny book. If God is going to reach unbelievers in our city, in our places of, uh, that we move, our, our, our work, whatever it is, if God is going to reach those who aren't believers... The people that he most needs to convince of his love for them is the Christians. He needs to convince us of the love that he has for us and for all. And it's when we have a measure of that, a sense of that, that we'll start to see things as he, as he sees them. I wonder if you might just um, help me with a thought experiment almost, and just see this story. Let's flip it around for a moment and just hear this story for a second from the point of view of somebody who was in Nineveh, watching what had happened with Jonah. Imagine somebody in Nineveh has managed to sort of clock what is going on and see and perhaps follow um, what is going on with Jonah and, uh, and God. And how might they kind of just view this story. And let's for a moment imagine that there's, there's somebody from Nineveh who's kind of looking on this and kind of thinking about God and, and seeing Jonah on the outskirts of the city and thinking about it and thinking, look, generally speaking, my understanding is that there's this God, if, if, insofar as I think there's a God out there, this God hates me and my lot. I don't quite know why, but he seems, my understanding is God hates me and, and, and people like me. And I don't know why, but that's what I take from it. But I look at what has happened with Jonah. I've been watching what has happened with Jonah and, and God. And I look at it and I go, huh. God, you seem to be really unhappy with Jonah, who's from your lot, because Jonah doesn't love enough someone like me from my lot. You seem to be really unhappy with him because he doesn't love enough someone like me. And I go, huh. Hmm. And then this person from Nineveh might say, perhaps, 
God, I just want to give you a little bit of friendly advice. You want to find somebody who's better at this than Jonah is. You could really do with somebody who isn't just going to slink off to the outskirts of the city. Let me give you some free advice, God. You're looking for somebody who is going to go into the heart of the city and where the people are. You're looking for somebody who, who is going to come and weep over the people in the city. You're looking for somebody who's going to come and love the people in the city. Dare I say it, God, you're looking for somebody who might even give their life for the people of the city. Have you got anyone else up there? And God says, with a twinkle in his eye, it's okay. Jesus, assemble. And the extent to which we understand what God is doing through his son and in sending him to a people who did not want to know him and had rejected him and turned their back on him and would do so up until the point at which they nailed hat nails through his hands and feet. The extent to which we begin to see that, we see the heart that God has, not only for for everyone out there, but for you and me. The extent to which Jesus is what Jonah wasn't will begin to move us and to change the way we view everyone around us. One of the most encouraging things about the book of Jonah, and uh, just to take with us, I guess, where we go um, into, the last, uh, into the next few weeks, is that Jonah has to learn this in stages. God is as patient with Jonah as anyone else. He has to learn it in stages. He has to learn it when he decides to run off in the other direction. He has to learn it when he then found, finds himself in a storm. He has to learn it as he's kind of then thrown overboard and is going to drown, uh, when he's given some time to think about it in the belly of a fish, when he works out what it is to go and to, to make his way into it, and he has to, to, to learn it as he's here. And these stages that he goes through, God is teaching him. And my question that I want to kind of leave you with this morning is, what can you pray will change in yourself over these coming weeks? What can you pray will change in yourself? What do, we, what do I need to learn? Perhaps it is, uh, what my anger is telling me I feel is threatened. Perhaps it is what God's heart is for his people. Perhaps it is a greater understanding of how Jesus is what Jonah wasn't in ways that are rich and deep and profound. And that that overwhelming love of God that we might know ourselves can flow out of us into others. What will you pray that will change in yourself? Perhaps in these uh, going into today and this week and the workplaces that you'll be, the families that you'll go back to, what can you pray for yourself? We'll take ourselves into the rest of this series. I'm going to pray for us uh, now. Gracious Father, you are a remarkable, a gracious God, and we come before you in wonder that that is true. And Lord, I pray that you'd 
refresh, reignite a sense of your, uh, your grace and mercy to us. That we wouldn't be those who are threatened or feel threatened, that our, our eyes would be as your eyes are on this world, the places that we are in. Lord, we pray for that uh, in Jesus' name. Amen.